0: Good morning everybody. My name is Luke Donatello. It's good to see you all here. I'm really, really honored that Reuben would give up the podium to let a guy like me come preach to all of you. Uh, you really are an amazing church. You've got a great worship service. Uh, that was awesome to, to hear the band sing and I know there's a lot of work that goes into all of that because uh, I actually lead worship in Bakersfield. And uh, like John was sharing earlier in communion about the different challenges he's gone through this year, we actually went through the challenge of losing our worship leader, who was a trained musician who played trombone, uh, plays in a lot of orchestras, teaches in high school, and, uh, and he actually moved down to L.A. Uh, to further his career a little bit and further his family. So we've been through that challenge, and, and I've gotten to step up and lead worship a little bit And all that's just said to say, I know how much work goes into it. So let's encourage that worship team for the work they do. In the way of introduction, to let you know a little bit of who I am, um, I, I always like to point to my wife first. She's the best part about me. And I'm actually here to celebrate her birthday. Her birthday's on Christmas Eve, and so it's hard to get parties put together. So we planned a party early. We had a lot of friends together. We went down to see a show at the Groundlings Theater in West Hollywood and had a great time last night. And my mom, of course, watched the kids while we did that. Uh, But my wife and I, we we lead together in the Bakersfield Church, and we've been doing that now since 2011. And I couldn't ask for a better partner uh, in in life, if not just uh, the gospel also, than my wife. Also, uh, Ruben mentioned that we had some campus students who were sent to us Here from Long Beach. And I believe it's Jamal and Maria Wright. And Stephanie and Sean. I don't know if San Pedro meets here too. Do we got San Pedro in the house? Alright. So the four of them we had sent to us from from you. And and they have been such a blessing to us. And hopefully we've been a blessing to them. You've heard Virginia is for lovers. It's not true. It's got nothing on Bakersfield. Bakersfield is for lovers. All you young single and uh, campus people who want to get married, come up. Help us build a church in Bakersfield. Bring your interests with you. Encourage them to come share the gospel and amazing things will happen. Uh, I could go on and on. I, I wanted to give some introduction. You know, I- I'll say two more things real quick. Ruben mentioned that we were in teens together. I just want to lift up Reuben because he's-, he's such a good friend. And really, I want you to understand that you have one of the best speakers and one of the best leaders in all the kingdom. He is such a, a, a strong man of character, but he's also just such a great communicator. And, and he's like a, in baseball, you want the five-talent guy who can do it all. That's Reuben. He can really do it all. You know, and I, I think about how John the Baptist, you know, it was said that he was filled with the Spirit from the moment he was in the womb. And I think that's true of Reuben, too. I think that guy has been spiritual since day one. The other only, only other thing I want to say in the way of introduction is uh, my mom, of course, Laura. She's a member here in the Long Beach Church. And uh, if you don't know her, you should know her. She's an amazing woman, and like I said about my wife, that she's the best letter of introduction I could have. She's the best part of me. I think my mom is a part of that, too, that really it seems that the women in my life are are the best part about me. And so if you don't know me, but you know the women in my life, uh, you you can be confident in me. (laughs) All right? So in Bakersfield right now, we're going over a series of Advent lessons. And some churches do this where over the course of December, they'll do a couple of different lessons, usually in the order of hope, peace, love, and joy. And I'm teaching the church to remember them by H.P.L.J. or Hewlett-Packard LeBron James. (laughs) So whether you're a computer nerd or a basketball nerd, you can remember. But right now we're on peace. And so that's what I'm going to share with you guys today. I'm going to share a little bit about the peace that Jesus brings. And, And the funny thing about peace at Christmas time is that a lot of us aren't really feeling it. This Black Friday, Walmart said that on that one day alone, Black Friday, they had 22 million shoppers come to their stores. That's more people than Disneyland sees all year long in a single day. There was the usual tramplings and stabbings and rioting, you know, all the usual stuff that we just kind of take for granted. Really, no one is surprised by any of this. Here's a Summy card. Some of you guys get these in your Facebook and things like that. And it just says, because in America, only in America, do we wait in line and trample others for sale items one day after giving thanks for what we already have. (laughs) It is... Not a peaceful time. The funny thing is that we are really used to this, and yet it's not only in America anymore. See, we've we've exported Black Friday, and the Brits now get to share in the chaos of Black Friday. This was the first year, did you know, that the Brits had a real Black Friday experience. They've only really embraced Black Friday for the last three years, but it was mostly online and a couple of small stores. But 2014 was the year the dam broke wide. Right, all the big box stores had Black Friday, and it was chaos across the United Kingdom. The police were furious about it. I mean, they they made a lot of public statements how they were so angry at the shopkeepers who hadn't prepared for the types of crowds that would come to their stores. And so the police had to deploy so many of their units out to handle the scuffles and scrapes throughout the stores that they didn't have enough people to actually attend to real crime, you know, major crimes. Uh, the, the actual Bishop of Buckingham, the Reverend Dr. Alan Wilson, said that the scene showed an ugly side of human nature. Duh. We're used to this, right? He went on to say, I would like to think, I would like to think, that Christmas is all about the intangibles, like being with family and friends, and not about buying widescreen TVs. Well, not anymore, because now you have Black Friday in Britain. Here's a a video I want to show you of a Target employee here in the States who's seen a few Black Fridays and is prepared for the war that is the holidays. there's a guy that's seen a few Black Fridays in his day. And so the holidays, and Black Friday is just a you know small part of that, but the holidays seem to be a time that has more in common with war than it does with peace. And so we sing the sweet Christmas carols of peace and goodwill on earth towards men, but do we experience it? Do we feel it? No, Luke... In his gospel, he wrote about the account some 2,000 years ago when there was a message from heaven saying that peace was coming to earth. We read in the book of Luke, chapter 2, starting in verse 8. It says, That night there were shepherds staying in the fields nearby, guarding their flocks of sheep. Suddenly... Suddenly, the angel was joined by a vast host of others, the armies of heaven, praising God and saying, Glory to God in highest heaven, and peace on earth to those with whom God is pleased. What an amazing sight that must have been, to see angelic armies in heaven, praising God in loud voices. And whenever you see armies in heaven, it's good to hear the word peace, Can you imagine how comforting that must have felt for them? That they weren't proclaiming war from heaven to earth, but peace. And those men, so many years ago, as you know, found their way to the baby Jesus by a star in heaven. And so literally, these men found their way to peace by fixing their eyes to heaven. They literally looked up to the heavens, And found their way. In the same sense, church, when we want to find peace in our lives, we have to look to heaven. We have to look to God. We can't look to earth because there isn't any lasting peace there. The great lie in our culture isn't that God can't bring you peace. I think people would say, sure, God can bring you peace. But the great lie is that God is only one way among many. So you like to go to church, and that works for you. And you like to celebrate Christmas, and that brings you peace. But that's not the only way. There are other ways that we could find our peace. And that's the great lie, isn't it? Here's a good example of how there's a disconnect when we say peace and other people hear something else. And so somebody preaches peace from Jesus Christ and other people, well, you know, I see peace as a a square. I see peace as a flower. I see peace in all these different ways. The great lie is that there's many ways to find peace. Maybe one person wants to do yoga. They find peace in the yoga studio once or twice a week. Maybe somebody finds peace going on vacation, getting away from all the noise and all the hassles, no maybe one person finds peace by riding their motorcycle down the PCH. Anybody? There's different ways we can find peace, but it's not a lasting peace unless we look to heaven. Many of us will will purchase self-help books to try to find our peace. The self-help genre is one of the fastest-growing genres in the nonfiction world. It's estimated to be somewhere between a $10 and $13 billion annual industry. Only $1 billion annually for the books. There's also the CDs. There's conferences and retreats. And I'm sure a lot of us have read self-help books at one time or another. But the funny thing is, it's an annual Industry, meaning that the people who purchase the self-help books or go to the self-help seminars have to then purchase it again the next year because it doesn't bring lasting peace. You have to keep going back again and again trying to find your peace. So for some people, the way that they find peace is just by buying these materials, buying stuff. Sometimes we think we can buy a way to peace, this man here in the cartoon is saying, I'll have a large order of personal fulfillment and a glass of self-respect with peace of mind on the side. Maybe we look at peace like that, that it's something we could purchase if we just had enough money or if we just had the right recipe. We could, we could find our way to peace. You know, we're, we're obsessed with the new thing, the new product, or even just the new idea. We're obsessed with, with ideas that come from across the seas, with, uh, with Eastern religions and Eastern philosophies. You know, and the funny thing about it is, it's not new. It's just new to you, right? It's nothing new. I, I, you know, 100, 200 years ago in the 19th century, my math is terrible, that's 100 years ago, 150 years ago. In the, in the 19th century, you have what was called Orientalism. And, of course, that's an offensive word now, but that's what they called it then. And it was this obsession with anything from the East. And so there was an obsession with Hinduism and all these different gods. And so the romantic authors of the time, campus students, you know, Thoreau, who wrote Walden Pond, it was about getting out into nature and finding God, not in the heavens, but on earth. Because God is not separate from nature. God is nature. God is the elephant and the buffalo, right? Right? And so, you know, that, that was very popular then. It's very popular now. It was very popular in the 60s. And it all kind of melds into this, you know, hippie, you know, modern, tribal kind of New Ageism. And there's, there's some value to it, right? If you do yoga and, and it helps you to feel at peace, that's not a bad thing. It's just not lasting. It doesn't give you the lasting peace of Jesus Christ, Paul, in the book of Romans, gives an explanation why we can't find our peace when we look on earth. We read in Romans chapter 1, in the message version here, Paul says, people knew God perfectly well, but when they didn't treat him like God, refusing to worship him, they trivialized themselves into silliness and confusion so that there was neither sense nor direction left in their lives. They pretended to know it all, but they were illiterate regarding life. They traded the glory of God, who holds the whole world in his hands, for cheap figurines. So God said, in effect, if that's what you want, that's what you get. And it wasn't long before they were living in a pig pen smeared with filth, filthy inside and out. And all this because they traded the true God for a fake God and worshiped the God they made instead of the God who made them, the God that we bless, the God who blesses us. When we look to earth and to created things, the things that we make, the things that we manufacture, we don't become more divine. We become more bestial, more like animals. Because whatever you set your eyes on is what you tend to become. Whatever you behold is what you become. It's like dog owners who've been with their pets for a long time. They start to look like them. And in the same way, when we look to things of this world, we start to look like the world. We don't look like the divine creator who made us. We look like these cheap items, cheap figurines. We get lost in the stupidity and the confusion of sin because everybody goes their own way and has their own ideas about things, and they're not very good. It's when we look to God and God alone that we find our way and we find our peace. You See, all of us, we're like children. We're all like little kids. We have tons of imagination, but we're not that smart. You know, your kids can come up with some amazing ideas and amazing visions, but they don't even know what's good for them. And if you have kids, you know this. It, you know, you put the plate in front of them, and they don't want to eat their stinking peas. You know, I want ice cream. No, you have to finish your peas first. And that's how kids are, and that's how we are. We don't want the peas. We don't want the broccoli. We want to go straight to the ice cream. How many of you, and you don't have to raise your hand, but just mentally. How many of you tried smoking cigarettes when you were kids, and you got caught, and then how many of you had a parent, a mother or a father, who said, you're going to smoke the whole pack to teach you a lesson? And what ends up happening? You get sick, you throw up, you get a, a minor form of tobacco poisoning. Well, God, in effect, does the same thing with us. When we continue to stomp our feet and demand that we get what we want, he says, I'm going to give it to you. I'm going to let you test this out and see what it feels like when you get exactly what you want. And when we gorge ourselves on it, it makes us sick. Like it said in the message version here, I like. It said, we become Filthy, inside and out. It can be a terrible thing to get what you want. You know, when Jesus was looking over Jerusalem, one of two times that we read that he cried. He cried because he looked at a city he knew would be destroyed only a few decades later in 70 A.D. And you can read this story later on your own time in Luke 19. But he, he weeps for them and he says, Jerusalem, Jerusalem, if you had only known If you'd only known what would bring you peace, but now your city is left to you desolate. If we would only know what brings us peace, but we don't. We may not like it, but we need to be led by God. We need to lift our eyes to heaven and be told the way. And when I think, why why don't we just know? Why don't we just follow God? It's essentially because we don't want to be led. It's essentially because we don't want to be mastered by anything or anyone. We want to be our own master. But the whole reason why Christ came to earth is, is to lead us to be not only our Savior, but our Lord. And ultimately to lead us to the peace that we want, that we desperately need. I'm briefly going to talk about what that peace looks like. I'm going to talk a little bit about the what. You know, what is that peace? How, what does it look like for you and for me when we have that peace? But the how of how we get that peace, it's always the same. It's Jesus Christ. The way that we get our peace is always going to be Jesus Christ. But he leads us to a couple of different kinds of peace. I mean, The one that I'll talk about first is fulfillment. Jesus Christ gives us the peace of fulfillment. And for many of us, when we hear peace, that's what we think. It's that contentment. It's that fullness. The second thing I'll talk about is the peace of harmony, of being united so that there's no more conflict. And that's another kind of peace where the war ceases. Jesus brings us fulfillment. We read here in Philippians chapter 4, starting in verse 6. This is the New Living Translation here. It says, don't worry about anything. Instead, pray about everything. Tell God what you need and thank him for all that he's done. Then you will experience God's peace, which exceeds anything we can understand. His peace will guard your hearts and minds as you live in Christ Jesus. What Paul is talking about here to the Philippians is a certain kind of peace the, the peace, the, the, the word in Greek that he's using is the same as the Hebrew word for shalom. Maybe some of you have heard the word shalom in greeting. Shalom is a blessing or a greeting, but it essentially just means peace. So when people say shalom to you, it means peace to you, right? But shalom, it, it, it's, it's the kind of peace that means you're full, you're satisfied. You know, it's like when you've eaten a really good meal that tastes delicious and you have shalom, you have peace, you're full, you're content, you don't need another bite. And when we're in that place of shalom, when we have the peace of God, we're guarded from temptation, because we're full, we don't need anything else, we're absolutely happy and content in God. And so Paul is saying, guys, that's the kind of peace that Jesus brings to you. That's the kind of peace that you all desperately want. So so don't worry about anything. Don't stress and and try to get your own peace. Rather, pray to God constantly. List off the things you're thankful for. Just think about all the good that you have and, and be at peace. The funny thing is, though, there's a contingency here. He says, as you live in Christ Jesus the shalom or the peace of God guards you as you live in Christ Jesus. So, it doesn't say the peace of God will guard you as you come to church. The peace of God will cover over you and guard you as you study about Christ and fill your head with knowledge. What it says is that the peace of God will guard you when you live in Christ, as you walk in Christ. You know, I I love to give practicals but sometimes practicals can get us way off track into specific things you know and we could we can make this all about you know pray more read more share your faith more that's all part of it but it begins with simply knowing Christ walking with him we can reduce god's word and we can reduce the life of Christ down to a, a, another self-help book if we're not careful We we, we can, you know, turn it into a recipe where you add a dash of turn the other cheek. You know, and a sprinkle of seek the kingdom first. And we can miss out on what truly brings us peace. Jesus Christ. Not just knowing about him, but knowing him. If you do not know Christ, I encourage you to really seek him out. To pull somebody aside today and say, I want to know Christ. I mean, there's enough being told about Christ. I hear it on the radio and on the TV. I mean, it's, you can't escape it this time of year. But I don't want to know about Christ. I want to know Christ. I encourage you, just talk to somebody today and, and get to know them. There's, there's capable people here who can study with you and pray with you and really guide you to know Christ. But the point that I just wanted to make here is that we really find our peace, our fulfillment, our shalom in Christ. Now, the other side of peace I wanted to talk about was the peace of harmony. When the war ends and there's no more conflict. And and Jesus brings that kind of peace too. We read in Colossians chapter 1, in verse 21 here, it says, at one time you were separated from God. You were as enemies in your minds and the evil things you did were against God. But now, God has made you his friends again. He did this through Christ's death in the body so that he might bring you into God's presence as people who are holy. Holy with no wrong and with nothing of which God can judge you guilty. This will happen if you continue strong and sure in your faith. Let me read that again. This will happen... If you continue strong and sure in your faith, you must not be moved away from the hope brought to you by the good news that you heard. So what Paul is saying here to the the church in Colossae is that there was a war between us and God because we sinned, because we were separated from him. This is an age-old conflict. It started before you were born. It started all the way back in the garden when Eve and Adam tried to find their peace and happiness outside of God. And they suffered the consequence. And ever since then, we've been living in a fallen world where we continually listen to the voice of the serpent who causes us to distrust God, to distrust his motives, and to think that we can know better, that we can make our own peace. But what Jesus Christ did was something none of us could do, He made peace between us and God. He brought us back into a state of union with our maker that goes beyond anything that we can do in a Bible study or a prayer time. There is something that happens that is not of this world when a person is saved in Jesus Christ. That person is put at peace with God, and they are given assurance that someday they will live with him in eternity. Christ brings our peace. But we have to continue to live in him. It says live in him and these things will happen. You have to walk in the hope that you were called to. I'm not going to belabor that because I talked about it in the last one. I do want to give you a vision of what peace on earth can look like. When you have the fulfillment and you have that assurance that you and God are together in harmony. A few years ago, my wife and I got to go to Estonia, and our church in Bakersfield sponsors a couple of churches out there in Estonia, and we, we do our special missions and send it off there. Estonia, if you don't know, is south of Ukraine, and it's formerly a Soviet uh, Union uh, country. Now, they're independent. They're a part of the United Nations. And th- it's a beautiful church, but when my wife and I went there, we, we weren't aware they have what are called white nights. White nights are when the sun never sets. I'm terrible with geography. I thought that only happened in Alaska. <laughs> Apparently, it happens in a lot of places. Estonia being one of them. And so we, we went to visit the church there and speak to them for a little bit. And And they do this amazing thing uh, because they don't have any night during the summertime. They celebrate the summer solstice. That's the longest day of the year, and it's the most sunlight they get. And and so they do this great big festival out by a riverside, and you can see it's idyllic. I think the word idyllic was made for places like this. And you can't see the babbling uh, river that's that's down uh, the way a little bit, but it's there. And you see they've got a bonfire there that's burning. And so all the churches are there from Estonia, and they, they even encourage churches from Latvia and Lithuania, different places to come worship with them. You can see my wife here, and uh, this is uh, maybe tipping my hat a little bit to what I find peace in, because I have a little bit of a hippie in me, you know, even though I'm saying that that's all New Age. Uh, I love the fact that, that the disciples there made with their hands a garland of flowers and placed it on my wife's head. And all the women there do this, and all the little kids and the, the older women, they all, they all make these garlands of flowers and, and put them on the, on the women's head. There was all kinds of games that we got to play with the churches there. Feats of strength. Because this was former Soviets, so they know a thing about masculinity. And so they're, they're you know, doing tug of war and uh, really getting into it. And they were doing it by church so you could boast of, you know, who's the strongest church. <laughs> boast in the Lord, you know. Uh, so there was feats of strength. There was feats of weakness. That's me. Um, trying to lift a kettlebell. Uh, the, the, the minister there for Tallinn, Estonia, is Kaido. You can see he's, he's actually a power lifter, and he competes. So he wasn't allowed to do this, but it was how many times can you lift a kettlebell in a minute? I came in dead last. I lifted it three times. I had no idea a kettlebell was so heavy. But it was a lot of fun. Uh, they, they do all kinds of things on this, on this day where they they, uh, they sing their folk songs, and so you get to hear these old, you know hundreds of years old, Folk songs from Latvia and Lithuania. And these were people that weren't allowed to speak their own language a lot of times, and you know they, they were really uh, brainwashed into believing the the Russian communist mantras. And, and so there's just this this richness of culture and faith that comes together on this one day of the year where they all hang out together, and it never ends. All for hours, the sun is up and it's glorious. You know, you you think, oh wow, it's 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 not even nighttime yet. And you look at your watch and it's already Two in the morning, and the sun is still up, and, and you're just having so much fun. And and this was a little bit of what you know heaven on earth, to me, would be like. But there was one more thing that really just made it so special for me. There was a couple of teens there. There was more than this, but these are some girls. And, and uh, I know some of them, like um, Hannah is the one, you know, two in. She's right in the middle there with the white shirt. She's the daughter of Hans and Tina. Uh, there in in Tartu, Estonia. And and just like a lot of teens, they they spent a lot of their time in the beginning with their arms crossed, you know, like, I don't want to be here, you know, on their phones, texting friends elsewhere. Um, But as the day went on, they started to come out of themselves a lot more. And there was some real deep hurt uh, for some of the teens, uh, you know, Hannah was one of them, because one of her best friends is the girl here on the far right, and you can see that she has a covering over her head, because she's had to shave her head bald, because she's, uh, she's got cancer. And so Hannah was struggling a little bit with, with faith, and you know, why would God let this happen to a young girl like this? and So there, there's just kind of this like dark cloud over the whole uh, day because of this. But as the day went on, and, and people were having their competitions, and singing their folk songs, and Later in the day, they played some uh, Euro techno music uh, around the bonfire, and everybody started dancing. The teens got out of themselves and were having a good time. And, uh, and I saw the teens, and I hadn't been in teens. Where's Ruben? I hadn't been in teens for a couple years at this point, and I just started crying. Because when you work in teens, I mean, they become a part of your family, and you have vision for them. And, and, and here we are with this day that never ends. And everybody's together. You've got the old men and women, and you've got the young men and women. And there's no worries, and there's no problems. And it was a a little slice of heaven. I I later started telling Kaido how I was feeling, and the tears started rolling out, and him being a big, strong man. Why are you crying? (laughs) I don't understand you Americans. You cry so easily. (laughs) And I said, you don't, you don't get it. For me, th- there's very few moments I really feel comfortable in my own skin and I'm not thinking through the things I have to do and thinking about the worries I have in this world. This was one of these amazing, miraculous moments where I didn't want to be anywhere else but where I was at. And that's what heaven's going to be like. Heaven's going to be a place of complete and total peace where you are completely full. You don't want anything else. And, and not only that, you are... In harmony with God, your Maker. There can't be a better vision than that. One of my favorite passages, and I'll close with this, is in Zechariah. And this is a vision of what kingdom life is supposed to be like. It says, This is what the Lord Almighty says. Once again, men and women of ripe old age will sit in the streets of Jerusalem, each of them with cane in hand because of their age. The city streets will be filled with boys and girls playing there. This is what the Lord Almighty says. It may seem marvelous to the remnant of this people at this time, but will it seem marvelous to me, says the Lord Almighty. It's not that hard for the God who made the world in six days to bring a bunch of people together and give us peace. I want to encourage you with these words. During this holiday season, when you're stressed out, and even outside of this holiday season, Stop worrying. Stop being anxious. Your peace is not on this earth. Lift your eyes to heaven and find peace in Jesus Christ. Amen. Let's say a word of prayer here. God, we thank you so much that you gave us our Lord Jesus Christ to be our peace, to be our fulfillment. God, I pray that we can walk with him steadfastly and sure. Uh, I pray that any time that we're feeling stressed, God, that we would look to Jesus. We'd spend time with him in prayer or we'd even spend time with him in fellowship because whenever two are gathered in his name, he's there with us. I just pray, God, that we would walk with Jesus. I pray that the peace that you give us would just cover over us and guard our hearts and minds uh, through everything. And I pray this in your son's name. Amen.